The next hour will inform you on how cybersecurity is one of the most significant threats to our national security, as well as the battle that cybersecurity experts are undergoing every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Welcome to Task Force 7 Radio with your host, the president and CEO of Task Force 7 Radio and Task Force 7 Technologies, George Reedus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 24 of Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm your host, George Reedus. I want to emphasize that all opinions expressed on the show are my own and not that of my present or past employers. I will never disclose any sensitive intelligence that I've been privileged to as a result of my current employment, and I will never knowingly disclose any classified information related to any security clearances I presently hold or have held in the past with the United States government. And the lawyers got me again, so I want to add that nothing I say on the show shall be construed to be legal or financial advice. <laughs> Unbelievable. So you listen to the show, and just like me, you, you like to read recaps of the show. I do. I like to go back and read the recaps. I think they're great to see it in writing. And I read about other cybersecurity news all the time as well, whether it's on Twitter or other, other sites. But I, I want to remind our listeners that you can go online to the Cybersecurity Hub and read a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at their very cool website, www.cshub.com. The Cybersecurity Hub is an online news source for global cybersecurity professionals and business leaders who leverage technology and services to secure their networks. The media professionals at the Cybersecurity Hub are dedicated to providing the latest interesting news, thought leadership, and analysis in the cybersecurity space. That's the space we're in. So again, to check out the recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news, go to the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. So the feedback on last week's show was just amazing. Former FBI agent E.J. Hilbert was on the show and I received a lot of comments about the episode. I received so many text messages and so many comments on social media. Um, many listeners reached out to me to tell me that they think it was the best TF7 episode ever, which is, which is great. And it's just that, that, this, that says a lot about EJ. I mean, you know, he just came across so genuine, so sincere. And it just came out. The guy's just a sincere guy. He's a, he's a very, very genuine guy. He's, very, uh, he's got great business acumen. He speaks very well. And he comes across with such credibility. I mean, he's just got a lot of credibility that comes, that comes with him. And so it really made for an informative and entertaining show. So if you missed it, I urge you to find your favorite playback medium. Find Task Force 7 Radio. Subscribe to the show. And please, folks, it's very important that when you, when you go to the playback medium, you subscribe. You subscribe to the show. We look at subscribers, and, and subscribing ensures that you get updates about new episodes and other information about the show as it comes out. So to hear AJ, once you subscribe, look for the latest episode named The Front Lines, The Cybersecurity Battle Between Good and Evil. And AJ Hilbert appears on all three segments of the show. So I put EJ on all three segments, I, I, as I knew when I was talking to him. I mean, I knew he was going to be that good, right? I mean, he just really is an incredible guest. We definitely hope to have him back soon. And I've already talked to him about coming back on the show, uh, you know, and it was great. So I now, I now see also that the audience really likes cybercrime, you know, the cybercrime aspects of, of uh, cybersecurity. So the cyber investigation domain of cybersecurity, we should say. So I'll have other guests on the show, just like EJ. And we'll, we'll talk a lot about this and a lot of issues in this domain, as it seems really popular among both the cybersecurity professionals and novices alike. 
right? So we added a couple more podcast mediums where you can find TF7 Radio. You can now find TF7 Radio on Overcast, uh, or excuse me, Overcast.fm and ListenNotes.com. So that's in addition to the playback sites I always mention, including iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn.com, Stitcher.com, and Player.fm. And this, of course, is on top of uh, the, we all know, VoiceAmerica.com and TaskForce7Radio.com. So in all, I think there's nine different options to get your TF7 radio fix. So our presence out there is growing. We're everywhere. I mean, I see a lot of podcasts out there. They're on like two or three playback mediums. I mean, we're on nine, right? So you can't miss us. If you, if you Google Task Force 7 Radio, you see a lot of the options. They pop right up. Check us out, folks. TF7 Radio playback at your convenience, 24-7, 365, anytime, anywhere around the globe. And don't forget to subscribe. It's important. So... You can also learn all about TF7 Radio on your favorite social media platforms. Follow us on LinkedIn by searching at Task Force 7 Radio and on Facebook, Twitter, and even Instagram by searching at TF7 Radio. Now, if you're, if you're following me on LinkedIn, I just got a, a ton of requests to connect. I'm at my, my limit, so I cannot connect to any more people on LinkedIn. I don't know why LinkedIn has a, they have a, a, a limit. It's like, you know, I think it's 30,000 people. That's as much people you can link to. So, I mean, at, at that, people have to follow you, but they don't really tell anybody that you can't connect with them. So I have like a, you know, 1,200 invitations sitting in my box right now but that I can't respond to. So um, if you're going to me, just to my name, George Ritas on LinkedIn, you have to follow me, but you can, you can connect to Task Force 7 Radio uh, on LinkedIn. So, but check us out on Twitter. Uh, lots of information about TF7, our show, our guests, and just cybersecurity in general going on Twitter. We just started. I think we have almost a few hundred uh, followers already. Um, but I could see Twitter growing into tens of thousands of people really quick. Uh, I could see that going real quick. I mean, there's a lot going on on Twitter. So check us out on Twitter at TF7 Radio, and you can keep up with the information about the show. And, and by the way, thanks to some of my Twitter followers who pointed out an editing issue with a couple episodes over the last few weeks. I'm aware that there's an editing issue on one of the playback mediums, and I apologize for that. That should be fixed now on all of our episodes. You shouldn't hear any issues, and I also work to make sure that that doesn't happen again. So again, my apologies. But a big shout out to PadmaxRx. That's at PadmaxRx on Twitter for bringing this to my attention. I appreciate you listening to the show, brother. Thanks for your support. Thanks, uh, thanks for everything that you do. Appreciate it. So uh, we're going to have Adriana Sanford back on the show later on tonight. And uh, we're going to talk about Facebook banning advertisements for Bitcoin. Uh, and we're going to talk about other cryptocurrencies and technologies and what that means to those, uh, those companies and what that means to uh, you know, different businesses and different economies. So if you're a regular sense to the show, you know Adriana. She's appeared on the show before. Adriana Sanford is a, a Chilean-American author. She's an international TV commentator, a Georgetown-educated international lawyer, and an internationally recognized privacy and cybersecurity legal scholar. So Sanford's a regularly featured uh, a subject matter expert on CNN Dinero, and that's CNN's 24-hour Spanish-language television station, broadcasting to more than 24 million viewers in the United States and throughout Latin America, where she just appeared Friday night, I think, uh, to talk about this very same issue, the, the, the cryptocurrency issue. So Sanford, she recently uh, co-authored the 2018 security book, Women in Security, Changing the Face of Technology and Innovation. And she is a professor at LMU and Pepperdine Universities. I think she's uh, going to be doing that in the fall at Pepperdine. And I know she has a big following from ASU University as well, where she was a professor there uh, also. 
So, you know, look, before I forget, I, I just want to give a big shout out to, to all my TF7 radio listeners at ASU, LMU, and Pepperdine right now. Thanks for tuning into the show. I know you guys are listening out there. I really, really appreciate you. Be sure to tell your friends about it and stay tuned. Your professor, Adriana Sanford, is coming up in the second and third segments in just a little bit. So, you know what? You know, I just think about it. I've never been to LMU. I got to make a point to get there someday. Uh, I've been to ASU and Pepperdine, both beautiful universities, great staffs. Great staffs. I mean, beautiful places. I mean, in Pepperdine. I mean, can, can you imagine going to college at Pepperdine University? I mean, for me, I actually visited there when I was 17 years old. It was growing up. It was just a dream, right? Was for a variety of different reasons, uh, you know, I wasn't going to be able to get into Pepperdine. Obviously, I wasn't smart enough at that time to get into, into Pepperdine. But I remember when I was 17 years old, standing on the, on the beautiful campus, just trying to imagine what it would be like to go to the, such a prestigious and respected university at one of the most beautiful places in the United States, truly an amazing educational institution. While I'm on the subject of ASU and LMU and Pepperdine, I should mention that you know, the show's become really popular with college students looking to learn more about cybersecurity. Find out who the players are, learn how to advance their career, get some actionable information. I mean, they, they want to learn about the fastest growing job market in the country. I mean, they want to learn. And so we have a lot of college students listening to the show. And I've been contacted by college professors who have made listening to the show part of their curriculum and some of the courses that they teach. So that's pretty cool. So that's how I know we're making a difference, right? And I, I really appreciate that. I always like to hear from our listeners and, uh, that are doing that. So I, I welcome ASU, LMU, and Pepperdine uh, students. Make sure you go to your favorite podcast medium, subscribe to the show. Glad to have you as TF7 listeners. So last week, I'm watching Mad Money with Kramer on CNBC. And Kevin Mandia, the CEO of FireEye, he's you know, a friend of mine for a long time. He was on the show. And so I'm paying attention. You know, Kramer was asking him about the stock creeping up on the takeover rumors that Symantec was going to buy FireEye. And, you know, if you haven't heard that rumor, it's been circulating around for several weeks now. And they started talking about the, the refresh that's going on over FireEye. Uh, and that's going very well for FireEye. And, and, and that's another reason why the stock's moving higher. So Kevin doing a fantastic job over there as the new CEO. I've seen a lot of articles about that. If you just, you just Google that, there's articles out there, you know, quoting on, on what good of a job he's done and, you know, how he's going to turn the company around and things like that. So, but then Kramer asked uh, Mandy about Bitcoin, which is one of the main themes of this episode, and we're going to talk about that later on the show uh, with, with Adriana Sanford. So the question to Kevin was really kind of timely. So Kramer was asking Mandy about the quote-unquote misplaced confidence around Bitcoin relative to cybersecurity. And Mandy has said that it, it's faster and easier to make money stealing a digital currency, and it is a real currency at this point. So the anonymity of the cryptocurrencies creates a challenge for cybersecurity experts because, you know, it used to be if you got hacked and your machine got hacked and you stole your credit cards or they did account takeover and, you know, someone could monetize, you know, their illegal efforts by using your cards or your accounts, that's what used to happen. So this is really suggesting that at least when the, the credit card, the bank account, was connected to a real identity. Whereas it's much easier to remain anonymous when using digital currencies, especially if someone else's digital currency, when you have compromised the endpoint at that time, essentially just you know, own the person's life. You know, folders, files, emails, bank accounts, cryptocurrencies, the whole lot. So we're going to be getting uh, into the blockchain technology in this episode. And blockchain is a distinctive recording structure that can be document any transaction through a global online database that anyone from anywhere with an internet connection can use. So it can record any type of information, such as you know, who pays who, who owns what property, who marries who, or who transfers what, transferring assets, things like that. So think of it as a giant global spreadsheet 
runs millions and millions of computers, and is, is, is peer-to-peer accessed uh, from any, any one of them anywhere, anytime. So because it's peer-to-peer, it doesn't require intermediaries to authenticate or to settle transactions. So for instance, there's no banks. There's no eBay, there's no third parties, but there's no banks. And there are a lot of people out there that just love the thought of that. But they think, it, they think of it, I think, when they, when they think of that, they think of it as like a, you know, freeing them from the man, so to speak, right? Which you know, I don't really buy into all this stuff for myself, but whatever. But, but, but before we delve more into this, you know, I want to mention one more thing that Mandy has said on the, on the Mad Money Show, and before we get into the, the Bitcoin and, and blockchain. So Kramer went on to ask Mandy about nation-state attacks, and specifically attacks from North Korea, Iran, China, Russia, you know, the, the usual suspects, right? And basically... Mandy said, uh, because there's no rules of engagement in cyberspace right now, right? and look, look, this is something that we've discussed on this show before, right? It's like the wild, wild west out there in the dark net. It's extremely difficult to hold anyone accountable in any significant way because there are no universally accepted rules or laws that govern cybersecurity behavior, or cyber behavior, I should say, and set expectations on what the consequences could and should be if someone does something, let's say, untoward, to say it nicely, Right? So then, so then Mandia said something that got my attention. The, the reality is, and this is a quote, right? The reality is if all of Russia's cyber weapons went against us and all of our cyber weapons went against Russia, they would win. Let me say that again. He said, the reality is if all of Russia's cyber weapons went against us and all of our cyber weapons went against Russia, they would win. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't give me a warm, fuzzy feeling, right? I mean, anyone listening to this right now should be very concerned about that statement, and it, it probably doesn't shock a lot of people, and it's not surprising, right? It's not a lot of shock value there, but what do you do when you hear that another nation controls your fate and has the power over, the, over your way of life, and in some respects, your freedom to live the life Americans have built for themselves? I mean, what do you do? You pack up and you say, oh, well, you know, that sucks, and I think this is all about my day. Well, where are we going for happy hour? You know, I mean, hell no, right? I mean, I think that's a sort of, that's a wake-up call for us, right? That's a wake-up call right there, folks. I mean, in some ways, this is a call to action if I ever heard one. I mean, one of the leading cybersecurity experts in the world just told you if shit breaks bad, you're screwed. I mean, we need a collective effort here to harden our cybersecurity defenses, considering our dependencies on the internet to maintain and most of all protect our quality of life and our way of life, right? So, but before I get too wound up about it, Mandy made this statement under the context that America depends on the internet for our critical infrastructure more than Russia does. So considering that, logically, the damage to the United States would be greater than the damage done to Russia if a cyber war was to take place, as we are more exposed considering our dependencies. And that just makes a lot of sense. I mean, right? It's not, it's a very commonsensical statement. So let's keep everything in context, but still, I mean, what this, what this means, folks, is that we need to come up with better solutions. We need to come up with a national cybersecurity strategy, okay, a collective strategy. We need to come up with federal laws that streamline regulatory reporting and oversight that manufactures regulatory efficiency. We need to solve this cybersecurity talent crisis. And yes, it, it, considering the problem that we have right now and what's at stake with our national security, it's a talent crisis. I mean, I got all these clowns on, on social media asking me, oh, what do you mean it's a crisis? It's a crisis, Okay, it's a big problem. All right, I'm, I'm still getting all these people you know, claiming that there is no talent crisis. If you have a position that there's not a cybersecurity talent crisis, hit me up. Let's debate it. You know, I'll debate it with you. Let's debate it. I'll have you on the show, and we'll debate it. And, uh, we'll, we'll make this a little bit lively. So I'd love to have you on. Uh, just hit me up. You can find me on social media anywhere. 
So let, let's do that. But uh, so look, we're going to take a quick break. Before I do, I want to remind our audience that uh, this is the year. This is the year that we launched the world's premier cybersecurity professional network, Task Force 7. We're going to create a massive cybersecurity task force that spans across all seven continents. That's right. I'm going to find some mad scientist out in some remote science station and some godforsaken place in Antarctica. Trust me, I know they're out there. And they need cybersecurity too. So we'll try to hit all seven continents, thus Task Force 7. But, but Task Force 7 is going to be about uh, being a premier collaborative platform that cybersecurity professionals are starving for. So no more is it going to be just the criminals that are collaborating and colluding to win the cyber war out there. It's time to get in the fight, people. It's time to do something to bring our collective skills, our collective knowledge, and our collective resources together. Because let me tell you, folks, it takes a network to beat a network. It takes a network to beat a network. All right? No one's going to win this battle alone. If you think you're going to do it out on your own, you're delusional. All right? you're, you're definitely not going to be out there by yourself. All right? You're going to want to you're gonna be wanna, uh, collaborating with other professionals. You're going to be want to sharing best practices. And you want to be sharing one piece of critical intelligence that could protect the entire uh, uh, sector. Right? So you're definitely going to want to be a part of this vertical professional network that will include the top cybersecurity professionals in the world. I mean, all the top pros are going to be on this network. I promise you, folks. This is not going to be some fugazi forum with a bunch of people spewing out nonsense. All right, guarantee it. Task Force 7 is going to be the real deal. So tune in in over the next several months for more information on this much-needed and much-awaited for network. We really need this, folks. This is about increasing our defense and death security posture. It's about creating your cybersecurity identity of record. It's about connecting talent with opportunity on a global scale to win the talent war. It's about getting more females into uh, into the cybersecurity space. Right? It's about getting innovative and disruptive technologies, and I'm talking about from big companies and small companies alike, and, and, and into place quicker, where they're needed to fill security gaps, you know, faster, cheaper. You know, this is about virtual fusion centers, virtual innovation centers, creating certification programs that actually mean something. Right? It's about providing scalar, scalable mentorships, and we've talked about that, these scalable mentorship programs. We talked about that on this program. And creating a roadmap for young and older professionals alike to reach their optimum potential. I get people asking me all the time, how do I do this? How do I get there? How do I navigate the cybersecurity uh, sector uh, industry? So in a greater sense, it's, this is about our freedom, our preserving our way of life. It's about getting together, doing the right thing for the right reasons all the time. We're going to solve some problems, folks, I guarantee you. Task Force 7, get in the fight. We're going to pause here for a few minutes for some words from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back with our special guest, Professor of Cybersecurity Law, Adriana Sanford. Don't go away. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. When's the last time you shopped at a mall? How will we do our holiday shopping or even buy toilet paper in 10 years? Listen for ShopCast, talking retail strategy. We'll explore the massive changes happening in retail. Join retail expert Michael Dart and his guests who help you understand these dramatic shifts and predict what the retail landscape of tomorrow will look like. If you're interested in the future of retail, tune in on Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. 
In your business, are you on top of your PR game? PR is what tells your story. Whether it's the business itself, key people in your business, or showing your best face to the public, listen for the brand ambassadors. Host Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield will discuss effective presentation ideas, building your personal brand, risk management, crisis communication, and more. Focus your business goals and PR resources. Listen live Fridays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Technology is all around us today in practically everything we interact with in our lives. But the hidden or not-so-hidden piece behind technology is more than likely the software created to operate it. Listen for The Art of Software, featuring host Martin Lacey. We'll go behind the scenes of software, how it's written, created, and implemented. You'll get expert insight to the history, evolution, successes, and failures of the software industry. Tune in every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Ritas. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Ritas. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm here with our special guest, cybersecurity legal expert, Adriana Sanford. Adriana, welcome back to the show. Thanks, George. Thanks for having me back. So one, one advanced technology that's garnering a lot of coverage in the financial and corporate world is blockchain. And, and it's well known to record Bitcoin digital transactions. So what's your take on blockchain and specifically uh, how it relates to Bitcoin? Sure. Blockchain actually was first uh, introduced uh, with Bitcoin to verify and record the digital transactions. And uh, Bitcoin was actually the first decentralized digital currency, and it was created in 2009. Since then, we're seeing that blockchain is being used by industry, government, um, all sorts of sectors are using blockchain for different different types of recording, different types of transactions. And likewise, we, we have seen that the cryptocurrency market is also just really booming. We don't only have the Bitcoin, which is the original cryptocurrency. We have now 30 different types, and the market is just fast and wild at this point. Um, and so is the the, the value of this coin, the, the, the value, the total value of the uh, virtual currencies has gone from the, the record high was uh, $830 billion to the, the you know, it, that was in January of this year. And then, and then actually it dipped and it went down and we lost uh, $500 billion. It went down to $366 billion. So you're seeing a real change in the world. You're seeing a real change with, uh, with this advanced technology and with this, uh, this virtual or digital currency. So Google and Facebook made the news last week. I mean, they've now banned all cryptocurrency advertisements on their platforms. Why did they do that? 
Well, and I think the reason they did it is is precisely because of the volatility. You know, if if you take a look at the what you know what has been happening around the world, uh, this currency, this is something that people are not used to. This is something that the governments are a little bit concerned about because it's it's not it's decentralized. It's not backed uh, by anything, and it has some people concerned. It has some governments concerned, and the regulations out there. You know, we, we have a mixed batch of, of countries. Some are okay with it and others are not. And for the most part, you see companies like Google and Facebook, they they ban anything that looks a little bit risky, you know, risky financial products or misleading or deceptive advertisements. You know, th- those are banned. And at this point, considering that there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty and you know, if you look at the, the credit card, a lot of the credit card issuers around the world are restricting access to actually buying cryptocurrency. So I think this, this was a logical step for these companies. So there's a lot of debate around the world between uh, lawyers and regulators as to whether this currency is even legitimate. Can you discuss some of these concerns? Right, right. It's, you know, some, as I mentioned, there's some jurisdictions that are looking at this and, you know, cryptocurrency and especially Bitcoin has managed to gain recognition as a mainstream currency in some jurisdictions, but those are, those are somewhat limited. You know, you've got Canada, Australia, um, Japan, these countries have actually said it's okay to use this virtual currency, but you've got others out there that really believe, you know, they're, they're asking their citizens to be careful. They're warning that this could, the present form of the cryptocurrency could be used as a vehicle for international money laundering. It could be used for tax evasion schemes, and it could also be used for terrorist financing because there's anonymity and, uh, there is really no regulation around this. So, so you know, they're, they're a little bit concerned. You know, some, some of these countries, I would say, more than others, but we, we all have to be careful. So having said that, the acceptance of these cryptocurrencies is varied around the world, right? There's different uh, degrees of acceptance in different types of societies. So how do different countries handle, handle uh, cryptocurrency transactions specifically? Well, it will, it will depend on the country. As I mentioned, Canada and Australia and Japan are okay with digital cryptocurrency transactions. Uh, digital or cryptocurrency, that means the same thing. But with regards to countries like India, India is concerned, and, and actually India's Ministry of Finance made a, a statement that these are like Ponzi schemes. In their view, they're not comfortable with this, and they're very, very concerned that they warn about the high risks of getting involved in the cryptocurrency market, and um, they are right now taking some steps to ban. You know, Parliament wants to take strong measures to eliminate the usage of uh, the cryptocurrencies in any, in any illegitimate activity or as part of the payment system. So, so we're seeing India is taking a, a strong position. We also see China. China went ahead and uh, doesn't recognize the digi- this digital currency either as a payment tool. The country actually blocked cryptocurrency exchanges on social media that offer services to their to customers on the mainland. So, so they're they're also against it. And um, countries like Bangladesh, they under their money laundering laws say that conducting cryptocurrency transactions can actually be punishable by twelve years in jail. So there is great concern, and 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 there's concern that these laws, these regulations may 
may impact certain transactions, international transactions. If you happen to fall uh, into into territory where there is a restriction, it can create a big issue, a big issue for your company and a big issue for you. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's dive a little bit deeper into that. I mean, different countries' willingness and unwillingness to accept the uh, cryptocurrency transactions. How is this going to affect business? Well, that's that's just it. This is a real concern because we just recently have you know witnessed this with regards to the regulations of data protection reform in the EU and how that affected. We had the the safe harbor agreement was invalidated in the United States because of EU regulations. And if you take a look at the EU and the way the EU is looking at cryptocurrency right now, they're increasingly scrutinizing these transactions and uh, in the whole region. And they've realized that there is some oversight with regards, there's gaps in this in the oversight with regards to the virtual currencies. So they may be changing their laws. And we know that if the EU amends or revises their laws, that may impact our businesses, um, as well as, you know, if uh, there were three of their regulators that recently um, called these highly risky assets and warned the, the regulators were the European Securities Market Authority, the European Banking Authority, and the European Insurance and Occupational Pensions Authority. All three of them said that right now, the present state of the virtual currencies is that it is unsuitable for investments and they cautioned about using them for saving and re- savings and retirement uh, planning products as well. So it depends on, 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 on the country. It depends on the type of regulation that's going to be coming out. But we need to be careful because we don't want any criminal liability or, you know, especially in a country like Bangladesh or, or you know, what we don't know what's going to come out of the other countries with regards to, to this once their regulation is actually revised or or uh, once they come out with regulations on this on this currency. So, in your opinion, are, are there any cryptocurrencies out there that are better than others? I mean, are, for instance, is there any cryptocurrencies out there, in your opinion, that are better than Bitcoin? Well, I I wouldn't say better. I because I can't I can't give an opinion as to what is better. Um, but I can say that there is one that stands out as being different, and that would be you know. The Bitcoin was also repressed in, in the Arab world, but they, the, a Dubai technology firm came up with a different uh, currency, a different cryptocurrency. It's called OneGram. And the difference is this, this one has launched an Islamic finance compatible cryptocurrency. Uh, OneGram launched it, and it is actually uh, backed by by gold. So it's a little bit different and it's accepted under Sharia law. So some people believe that this is really, it really is going to make a difference in the Islamic world and that this Dubai model could potentially become a prime investment vehicle around the globe. So it's, you know, we, we don't know yet, but it looks, it's definitely different from the other currencies out there, the other cryptocurrencies. So, so many countries, they want to be innovative, right? They want to be on the leading edge. They want to stay ahead of the game. And, and they want to look into the future. So if we're looking into the future right now, what do you think are the next steps for the cryptocurrencies? Well, you, as you said, you're, you're right. There is concern because, you know, some countries are actually banning these, uh, these currencies, but at the same time, they don't want to stay behind. So if, uh, you know, one of the concerns that India has is how much of a ban will they do? Will they do a full ban? Because a full ban could, could actually adversely impact their financial system if other large economies are actually giving these currencies some legitimacy. 
You know, if, if you've got Canada and, uh, and Japan saying it's okay, India is, is, you know, has to really take a look and see how they're going to use this or if they're going to use it. There is some talk um, that they may float their own currency. And in that case, that could work with their digital transactions. There's also, there has also been some, uh, some conversations in other countries. You know, I think not only India, but Russia, Japan, and, and Sweden are all exploring either, you know, creating some kind of a cryptocurrency or searching for cryptocurrency-based solutions. Uh, we have central banks. We have many central banks in other countries that are also looking into research and uh, launching several research projects or, or pilot studies to see what other ways uh, are available. What, you know, maybe the possibility of a government regulated or a government backed cryptocurrency. We have England, Canada, we have uh, the Netherlands. They're all basically looking at different and alternative ways of using not only the blockchain technology, but seeing what possibilities there may be to change or, or modify the cryptocurrency so that actually they're more comfortable uh, with, with this product, especially countries like England. I mean, the, the, there, is, there, there have been quite a, bit, uh, quite a few advances. So I, I kind of want to get your opinion on exactly what you think is going to happen with Bitcoin, but I want to make sure that our audience knows that we don't give financial advice on this show. We're not financial experts here by any means. And so I don't want anyone to take my question as asking financial advice. So having said that, what do you think is going to happen with Bitcoin moving forward? Mm -hmm. what, what do you think the future holds for well, Bitcoin? And, and, and you want to also point out we're not giving legal advice either. I mean, we, we don't provide okay. either financial or legal advice. And um, yes, I, I, I think, you know, we're definitely, it's going to be interesting because Bitcoin is very resilient and in the past it's dipped and then it comes back up. And this is a concern for anyone who is in business because obviously with those dips, it can hurt your, your business. But uh, people that are investing, you know, that if you've got the money and, and you can spare the money and, you know, they, what they're basically saying is only if you have money that you're not concerned about. So um, should you be investing at this point? And um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it is risky. And uh, each person and each investor and each business has to ascertain the benefits as well as the risks, you know, that both cryptocurrency and blockchain technology can realistically provide for them and for their supply chain at this time. The, the blockchain technology, we're seeing a lot of it used and it's, 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 it's very, very good. And we think it's going to change, you know, it's going to make some major changes in the world and in industry. As to the cryptocurrency, well, it's volatile right now. And uh, even though, you know, if, if, if you take a look back at the, um, at the figure in, in, in February 2017, it was only, the, the total value was only $19 billion. And, uh, you know, the market has gone up more than 1,800% from, from that time. So, you know, it is shooting up, but, and it is resilient, but it's taking a dip right now. So you've got to be careful. And certainly so, get advice. Get advice from someone who knows. Go to an expert, do due diligence, and, you know, before you take any steps. Absolutely. So with that, I think we're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back with more from cybersecurity legal expert, Adriana Sanford. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Skilled migrants throughout the world can face a variety of challenges. Many times they settle for jobs that are below their skill level because their education and qualifications are not recognized. Do we need local experience in a global world? Join host Alma Besserton for The Global Workplace. We'll explore the issues being faced by migrants as well as showcase diversity and recognize the leadership and inclusion roles of some of today's top global organizations. Listen every Tuesday at 4 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Moving forward can be difficult to do sometimes. There is always something going on. Many times, nobody else knows exactly what you're going through. If you are experiencing pain or loss, even something unexplained that is missing in your life, you'll want to tune into Go For It with host Joe Hausman. Joe and her guests will show you laughter and love. Sometimes you just need something a little positive in your week. Make that spot Thursday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm back with our guest, Professor of Cybersecurity Law, Adriana Sanford. So, Adriana, why do some people say that blockchain has the potential to revolutionize the world economy? What's the deal with that? Well, it does have the potential. And, and, and the reason being is it we're seeing that it is being used in different industries and for different purposes all around the globe. And why? It's because this is a way, blockchain has a way of making data that you can trust. It's transparent. It's secure. It's efficient. Anyone can track it, any transaction at any time. And so we're seeing that people are really adopting this, this form, this technology. And uh, it doesn't, it's decentralized, so there's no intermediary and, uh, you know, no, no use of a credit card, no powerful bank for the cryptocurrency, uh, no governments to authenticate anything. Anyone on the Internet, anyone with a connection can access and track transaction and so it's popping up everywhere and uh, you know you're seeing it to basically authenticate uh, or settle transactions and uh, anyone who owns property can 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 sell it anyone you know you, who's married to who and who transferred what to you know to whom and 
or what payments were made to whom. I mean, it's there's just so much uh, diverse, there's so many diverse ways of using this technology to record transactions and information that, uh, that it really is uh, revolutionizing the way we do business. So I, if I want to think about this from a global perspective, how does blockchain address many of today's societal challenges around the globe? Well, the, the, the way it's, it's addressing is that one of the biggest issues we have today is has to do with the cyber attacks. And it is, it is harder for digital data to go rogue, and especially with regards to the blockchain, because they use a special um, cryptography. And in order, it's, it's, an, it's a very advanced encryption method of uh, you need actually the right digital keys in order to make any changes. And you cannot just go in and modify a block without those digital keys. So it's, that's one of the ways it's, it's being used. And it's, it's a big issue. It's, it's a big concern that a lot of people have. It also facilitates the collaboration, the tracking, because you can access it from anywhere. So we're, what we're going to see is many industries over the next five to 10 years are going to be really um, using it for records, using it, you know, you see it right now in the supply chain and in the health industry, manufacturing, um, education, the universities are using it, banks, even the government. So it is really right now addressing a lot of the issues that we're seeing with regards to efficiency, with regards to, with regards to hacking. Um, since it's harder to get into this, it's harder to hack. And, uh, and it's data that you can trust. So on that topic, and, and I know that you're not a technologist, right? So I just, but I, I want to ask you, in the era of all these cyber attacks that are going on, what are you seeing out there? I mean, just how safe is blockchain technology in the, in the way that it's being used today? It's, it's, I would say it is very safe because basically, you know, we're not talking about the, the cryptocurrency piece. We're talking about using blockchain for other types of transactions to, to manage records, to, you know, with regards to audit trails or, or payments, you know, uh, where they're being made. Um, it's, it's, it's extremely safe because it's basically a ledger. It's a public ledger that's out there. And a lot of people have access to it. So if you're going to go in and change it, it's impossible because everybody in the, you know, there's, there's billions of people out there that have, that have a copy of it. So what, what are some of the other benefits that I could be considering if I was going to use blockchain compared to other systems or other technologies that are available to me? Well, what, with regards to other technologies, the best thing about this technology, and I guess what we're seeing is this technology, it's popping up in, in supply chain. It's a permanent record. It's documented out there. It's securely monitored. And with regards to other technologies, they may not be as quick or as efficient. This one actually, it reduces any time delays from human mistakes because you can monitor things. You can actually monitor the costs uh, of your company. You can monitor the labor. You can verify country of origin. It's a very efficient way of taking a lot of these, these steps and making them run a little bit more efficiently. Um, it's also being used in... In, for networking, you know, and, and, and the Internet of Things. In the past, uh, you, you had to have a central location to handle the communication for the Internet, uh, for the Internet of Things. And today, Samsung and IBM uh, are using ADAPT, and it's basically eliminating the need for that central location. And uh, with regards to the Internet of Things devices, so, so this is a change. Um, it's, a, it's just... Uh, 
it's a way basically of being able to handle these issues and these devices are able to communicate with one another and the bugs, you know, for, for, with regards to the bugs and with regards to energy uses, all of this is, is being transformed. So I know you have a ton of experience in the, in the privacy space. So I'd like you to discuss some of the various controversies between the anonymity and the privacy issues and the need for law enforcement to protect society from wrongdoers and criminals that use this kind of technology. I mean, is there a solution out there to this right now? I mean, we've discussed this in different, uh, I guess, domains and other uh, episodes of the show, but I think the same uh, argument or the same dilemma, I should say, comes up with using cryptocurrencies and blockchain. Right, right. It, it, that is true, George. And I think, you know, as we mentioned, blockchain enables us to do transactions, uh, to do commerce, to exchange money in a relatively fast and easy manner. But the big question is, is it, is it really hack-proof? And I would say it's relatively hack-proof. You have data that is verified and secure here. Um, you've got this advanced crypto cryptography, which is resistant uh, to unauthorized changes and, and to hacks. And, and that is something that people um, are really relying on. I mean, there is nothing out there that I would say is 100%, but here, you know, what you can do is, is anyone can view and, uh, but they can view a transaction, but they cannot alter. You're not able to modify anything unless you have the right digital key. So that makes it a little bit harder, harder for someone to, to hack. And the other thing that you have here is you have that two-step, the two-factor authentication, and that just adds another layer of security. So don't we have the same argument, though, or the same problem with, you know, whether I'm using encrypted uh, communications and, and, and encrypted and text platforms? Uh, isn't it the privacy versus security argument again here? I mean, don't we have that? I mean, isn't that why maybe India doesn't want this technology used on their systems? I mean... Right, well... There, okay, there's two issues. One is the privacy and the other is the anonymity. Okay, one of the concerns that Bangladesh has and in, in India and some of these other countries is the anonymity. I mean, this could be, this kind of technology right. could be used for money laundering. Right. But right. the other issue is the privacy issue. And the privacy issue is, if you think about it, this is a public ledger. And if anybody gets a hold of that digital key, um, all that information will be leaked. So there's actually, you know, there is actually a lack of privacy on blockchain data, uh, on the blockchain data system, because it, it can all become public if, if, if it is leaked. And that can be a concern for some people. So you've got, you know, you've got to keep that in mind. Interesting. Okay. All right. So I want to ask you, what is Bitcoin mining and how does that work? Well, that is a topic that a lot of people are into right now. There's Bitcoin money is a way of making, um, of getting a reward for, for mining. What is it? It is, the way it works is the Bitcoin is a digital currency that's run by a whole network of people. And those people are called miners. And to the extent they can solve formulas, they get rewarded. Uh, the way it works is, these miners are out there and they're collecting all these different transactions that people are sending to one another over the network. And each miner takes a list of these transactions and they put them into a new block. Okay, they form a new block and that's going to become part of this blockchain. But what they do is they'll construct this block and then this block with all of these transactions is going to have a puzzle. It's called a hash puzzle. 
And that is applied to that list of transactions. And that miner will have to solve a certain math problem through a series of guesses because it's not, it's, it's not a perfect science. It's a series of guesses. And then if they get it right, they, that solution is called a nonce. And that is going to be added in into that little block. And then it's added to that blockchain, and it becomes part of that blockchain. And it will be verified by everyone else. And to the extent that they actually solve the puzzle, they get rewarded. They get a certain amount of money. So people are jumping in to do this. And sometimes you'll, what you'll see is you'll see two or three people answer it at the same time and solve the puzzle. So you'll see what are called forks or side blocks. But whichever block actually is in, in the long chain of blocks, that person is the one that gets rewarded. And that miner then, you know, they've solved the hash puzzle and uh, it becomes part of that main chain and they receive the reward. So I, I like to try to keep it simple. I know that there, there's a lot of listeners out there that know what hashes are and the people listening to the show know uh, what a hash is and what it does and how it works. But could you explain the, the, the blockchain ledger in general and, and you know, how these blocks are created and what exactly is a block hash in general sure. terms? Sure, sure. Let's back up. Okay, the blockchain ledger is basically, if you think about it, um, it they're blocks. Think about Legos. They're just blocks and they're connected to one another. And each one of those blocks is going to have a header. And that header contains what's called a block hash number. What does that mean? Well, the block hash number is the number that connects. Like if you think of Legos, they have, these are Legos with very unique parts. And they don't fit, they only fit in a certain way because that hashtag number that is given is, uh, there's two numbers, one uh, going forward and one for the previous block for the, the parent, if you will, the parent block hash, and they have to fit together. And if you change anything in that block, all of a sudden the numbers will no longer add up. So you know that nobody can tamper. No one can tamper with that blockchain because those hash numbers that have been given uh, will change. So is there an increasing number of banks out there that are actually experimenting with blockchain technology? I mean, you think there's a future in banking for blockchain? There is. There's, there's actually a lot of banks out there that are, that are looking into this, and they're looking not only um, with regards to what it can do for cryptocurrency, they're looking, you know, and, and, and whether they, they will have a more of a government-regulated or uh, government-backed cryptocurrency, but they're also looking and they're testing blockchain technology for their own records. Uh, because it's so resilient, it's, it's known as a very resilient technology and it has a great amount of transparency and zero downtime. More and more banks, uh, Barclays Bank is one of the banks that has really been looking into this, um, but they're, they're testing it for, for uh, the management of their records, for the auditing, you know, audit trails, and as well as for payment systems. So, Adriana, it was such a pleasure to have you on the show again, and thanks so much for joining us. We're going to have to stop right there. I appreciate you coming on. <laughs> Thank you, George. Hey, so we've run out of time, folks, but before we go... I want to remind our listeners to visit the Cybersecurity Hub to read a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at www.cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Stay frosty out there. Thank you for tuning in this week to Task Force 7 Radio. 
To learn more about Task Force 7 Radio, please visit our website at taskforce7radio.com. Be sure to join your host, George Reedus, again next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 